everybody. Praise God. Well, we're Stephen Rosie Young from Mountain City, Tennessee. Um, we travel and do healing meetings and revival services. And we're excited to be here to help train you to go out and do the work of the ministry. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to start off just telling you a few stories of real-life people who've done some really cool things once they found out who they were in Christ. Uh, and I know all these people personally. I can vouch for them. Uh, one of them was going for a walk in a park, and there's this guy there who was crippled, and, and the Lord spoke to her and said, go and minister to that guy. And she's like, <laughs> I don't really think I'm ready to do that, no. And the Lord just kept on her, no, no, go back and minister to that guy who's having trouble walking. She's finally like, okay, Lord. She went and shared the good news with the guy that Jesus is the healer and that Jesus had paid for his healing, and the guy took off running. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It was a real life Acts 3, except I know the person involved. Someone else I know was, was someone was just saying, oh, my back's hurting so bad. And she said, well, can, can I put my hand on your back and pray for you? And the person was like, yeah. And so she did, and the back was instantly healed. Amen. Someone else, uh, someone came up and, and said, I, I'm having problems with arthritis. And, and so, so this gal said, okay, um, next time you come back, you're not going to have that anymore. And the arthritis left. And then same girl later on, you know, real person, said, so someone else had uh, cancer. And this person came up with cancer to her, and she's like, you know, in the name of Jesus, she commanded that cancer to die, and it did. And the person checked out cancer-free. And then someone else was having eye trouble, and she's like, well, and he's kind of squinting at stuff. And she's like, well, can I pray for your eye? And the guy's like, Yeah. And so she laid hands on the guy, and the eye was instantly healed. All of a sudden, he could read stuff he couldn't read before. On the spot. You just take a delegated authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Another person, I believe this is the gift of faith, talked about in 1 Corinthians 12. Again, someone we know uh, saw this guy with a cane, you know, stumbling around. He said, next time I see you, you won't need that anymore. And the next time... He saw, he saw the guy, he was able to run and carry heavy stuff and didn't need his cane anymore. This is all because of Jesus, but you haven't heard the really exciting parts yet. Now you want to know the rest of the story. Well, here's the rest of the story. So, where, where did you meet these people? You're like, they're your fellow healing evangelists? No, not one of them is what you'd call a five-fold ministry gift that's out you know, doing that for a living. That lady who laid hands on somebody at a state park, the crippled guy who took off, started running, she's a middle school teacher. Amen. That's awesome. But the lady who laid hands on someone's back, she works at a desk at a medical office. Amen. The guy who pointed at the guy said, next time I see you, you won't need that cane anymore. He's a home improvement contractor, and he said that to one of his customers. Yeah. <laughs> the lady who saw the cancer healed, the arthritis healed, and the eyesight healed. All three of those events happened at the checkout at TJ Maxx where she worked as a cashier. These are all real people. We know them. Now, we could vouch for these people. In other words, these are what you would call everyday people who got a hold of the word and did something with it. Now, they do have one other thing in common I'll let you in on. 
They're all students in our healing class up in Tennessee. Now, I believe the same word that got into them will work just as well in Alabama as it did in Tennessee. There is, the Word is the Word everywhere. God is God everywhere. Jesus is Jesus everywhere. The Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit everywhere. So what works up there will work right here in Warrior, Alabama. And it'll work for you. And we're going to train you with the same Word we trained them with. And we believe you're going to go out and you're going to do things just like they did. And that's what we're here to do is equip you and train you to go do it. And it's a thrill, I'll tell you, to go somewhere where I know that you're well fed. And that you're taught, amen, I think you all know that Jesus paid a price for your healing. That you're, you're healed by his stripes. And so, you know, this is the really cool part for us. A lot of places we could go, we'd have to do a traditional church healing school where we just tell everybody that, and that'd, that'd be about as far as we get. But we're coming somewhere now where you're already taught that, you already know that, and we can start farther than we'd end most places. And just... <laughs> and so this is a thrill for us. You can't do this everywhere. You need pastors who really teach the word to be able to do this. And you got them, so, so we're going to do it. Praise God. <laughs> you know, a lot of times people say, How, you, me doing the works of Jesus, I, I have trouble picturing that because that was Jesus. You know, I mean, he was the son of God. Well, let me ask you something. Who's your daddy? Jesus was the son of God, but what are you? And, and, you know, the Bible, it, Romans 8.29 is seldom preached in the church world, but it says that your destiny is to be made in the image of Jesus. Amen. That he should be the firstborn of many brethren. Amen. In other words, that he's not doing something unattainable that no one else can do. No, he's the model. He went first, but then you follow in your big brother's footsteps. And the people say, yeah, but, but Jesus had uninterrupted fellowship with the Father because he never sinned. Well, what about you? Very good. Come on now. Now, you know, you don't live in the Old Covenant. Do you know that? Most Christians do. They try to. It, that's miserable, trying to live under the Old Covenant. You know, you know, under the Old Covenant, Isaiah 59, 2, says that if you sin, your sins separate you from God. That's Old Covenant. You know what the new covenant says? Under the new covenant, he'll never fail you or forsake you. That means he doesn't run away if you sin. He doesn't slam the door in your face if you sin. He never fails you. He never forsakes you. Under the old covenant in Psalm 51, David had to pray, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me when he sinned. You know you don't have to pray that? I understand there's Christians who sing that today. Why would you want to sing that? That's old covenant. God does not take the Holy Spirit from you if you sin under the new covenant. Jesus said he's going to send the spirit of truth who will abide with you forever. Forever is a long, long time. Forever includes if you sin. Say, but I thought my sin separated me from God. No, Jesus made provision for that. He was separated from God, so you never have to be separated from God. He took the full punishment of sin. And according to Isaiah 59, 2, part of the punishment from sin for sin is you get separated from God. Jesus took all your punishment. Isaiah said the punishment that brought us peace or shalom was upon him. He didn't say part of the punishment was upon Jesus. He said the punishment, all of it, every last bit of it, including the punishment of being separated from God for your sins. 
He was separated from God. He cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He had to be cut off because of your sins. He was punished for your sins. And guess what? You don't need to be punished for your sins anymore. The price is paid in full. So you don't get separated from God. He doesn't fail you. He doesn't forsake you. And God doesn't run off on you. Wouldn't that be awful if when you sin, the three people you need most, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, catch the last train for the coast? Well, it doesn't work that way. They don't, they don't run off on you. And when you sin, you can run to God, not away from God, because He's your helper and He loves you. He loves you enough to send His Son to die for you. How, how can you think He's going to reject you when He already declared you accepted in the Beloved in Ephesians? Because of what Jesus has already done for you. Say, what's this have to do with healing? Everything to do with you ministering healing. Because you've got to see something here. When you say, but that was Jesus. He had uninterrupted fellowship with the Father because he never sinned. You have uninterrupted fellowship with the Father as if you'd never sinned. You are just as right with God as Jesus Christ. Say, really? And people kind of choke on that. You know, I had a little song that I wrote that we did for worship up in Maine. We go, I'm as righteous as Jesus Christ the Lord. And you can just see some people kind of, hmm. I don't know. Can we say that? I thought we were unworthy little worms. I thought we were sinners saved by grace who, who just crawl in the presence of a holy God. No, that's what people have been taught, but that's not the truth. You know, people are living in the wrong, you're about 2,000 years too late if you want to live based on works. Okay, that got done away with. Christ is the end of the law for us who believe. Amen. Amen. You're not under the law, and God does not deal with you under the law. He deals with you according to grace. That means when you are there wanting to minister to someone, you have just as open a heaven as Jesus had. That's why we do not pray. Lord, open the heavens. Oh, God, I want to minister under an open heaven tonight. Oh, please, God. Jesus opened heaven. It's open to you at all times, 24-7. You can, anytime you want to, have a talk with your Heavenly Father. You have the same access to God that the Lord Jesus Christ had when He walked the earth. Not one bit less. Because you're just as righteous as Jesus. Well, how do you know that? Because it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that He made Him sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Well, how righteous is God? That's 100% righteous. Can you improve on the righteousness of God? Can you be more righteous than a, a, a totally righteous God? No. You cannot improve on righteousness that's been given to you. Romans 5.17 says that you've got the gift of righteousness. It was handed to you as a gift by the Lord Jesus Christ. He died, he paid for it, and he gave it to you on a gift basis. And when you receive Jesus, you, re you become the righteousness of God in Christ. In fact, you are so righteous... That if they ever do a, a Wikipedia thing, righteousness, your mugshot should be on there. <laughs> this, is, this is me. I, th I don't just have righteousness, baby. I am righteousness. Well, that's what... Again, I'm not inventing some new weird doctrine here tonight. That's in 2 Corinthians 5.21. That we might become the righteous... Not just get righteousness, but become the righteousness of God in Him. In other words, you have the same freedom to minister as the Lord Jesus Christ did. And then some people say, yeah, but he had an advantage over me because he was God. 
Well, let's think about that for a minute. If Jesus did his miracles because he was God, I guess he wasn't God for the first 30 years of his life. And I guess he wasn't God at Nazareth where he couldn't do any mighty work. If he just ministered because he was God, he could have healed them all at Nazareth. But the Bible says he couldn't heal them all at Nazareth. If Jesus just ministered because he was God, all the Pharisees and the doctors of the law in Luke 5.17 who were gathered there would have all gotten healed when the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but they did not get healed. They were mad. They're mad at Jesus. They're going through the roof. Meanwhile, another guy comes through the roof down the opposite way into the room and he gets healed. He was the only guy believing God. Him and his four, four friends. The others didn't get... Now, if Jesus healed because he was God, they all would have gotten healed. He did not heal because he was God. And by the way, all these things like the Reader's Digest, lost books of the Bible, there's a reason they're lost. They ought to stay lost. They say things, well, he changed the color of a woman's dress when he was a child. No, he didn't. That, that disagrees with the real Bible in John chapter 2, where it says this beginning of miracles he did in Cana of Galilee. The first miracle he did was after the Holy Spirit came upon him in the River of Jordan. Jesus did not do any miracles apart from the Holy Spirit. And he said he'd send the Holy Spirit. In fact, imagine this. Jesus, the greatest evangelist who ever lived, the greatest healing minister who ever lived. And in John 16, 7, he says, it's to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine being one of his disciples? He's healing everyone who wants it. People are just touching the hem of his garment and they're getting healed. And then, and then Jesus says, it's, this is for your good. This is advantageous for you that I'm going away. That'd be a kind of hard one to swallow, wouldn't it? Say, so, no, wait a minute. You're the best healing evangelist that's ever lived, and it's good that you're going away. Now, how does that compute? Well, he said, because if I don't go, I can't send the Holy Spirit. But if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit. Well, why would he want to send the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that did miracles through him, so that his ministry could be multiplied a millionfold in the earth through believers? Like you. Instead of, right, you know, I'm glad I don't live in Bible days. Oh, I wish I lived when Jesus was alive. I'm glad I don't live when Jesus was alive. If I wanted a miracle, I'd have to hop on a plane to Tel Aviv and then catch a bus over to Jerusalem and ask around, oh, where, where, and hope no one blows me up in the process. And no, oh, and, oh, where, where, where's Jesus lately? Tell me so I can go to his meeting. But now, all you have to do is find a Christian anywhere who believes the Word of God and acts on the Word of God, and you can get healed right here in Warrior, Alabama. You don't have to go find Jesus over in, in Israel somewhere. Just find a Christian who believes what Jesus actually said, that you can lay hands on the sick in His name, in other words, by His authority, and they will get well. That's why it was advantageous for Him to go away, so He could send the Holy Spirit. Now, when, I know you're, I'm sure your pastors have told you this already, but when Jesus sends the Holy Spirit, when you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, because he was sent 2,000 years ago, you don't get any junior trial version of the Holy Spirit. You don't get Holy Spirit light. You don't get Holy Spirit. Let, let's see. Maybe if you do something good, I'll, I'll give you the full package. But this is the trial version. Just to check you out, see what you do with them. Oh, amen. I'm so glad I'm married to 59% of you, Rosie. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That's weird. 
How can you be married to 59% of Rosie? Well, how can you get 59% of the Holy Spirit? Or 2% or 88%? He's a person. I can't be married to 59% of Rosie. I'm either married to all of her or none of her. He's a person. He's not it. He's not power. He's a person. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. He's a person. You can't divide him. You can't say, well, I'm only going to have 11% of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't even make sense. You know, John 3.34, it says God doesn't give his spirit by measure. Now, I know in the King James it adds unto him, talking about Jesus. Those words are in italics for a reason. They're not in the Greek. All it says literally in the Greek there is he doesn't give the spirit by measure. He gives, you, you either get the whole deal or nothing. You get the same spirit, 100% of the Holy Spirit. The same person of the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. And he's willing to work through you just as he worked through Jesus. So you don't have to be Jesus to have the Holy Spirit work through you and do miracles through you. All you have to be is a believer and just believe what the Word says. Now, there's this, you know, I know peeves make bad pets. But sort of one of my ministry pet peeves is, is this endless praying for revival that goes on out there. Oh, pray, 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 pray. Oh, God, send revival. Oh, send the power, the Pentecostal power, that sinners may be converted and thy name glorified. Oh, send the power. Uh, didn't Jesus say in Acts 1.8 that you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you? Amen. And wasn't he sent 2,000 years ago? Oh, but I want him to send mighty revival power. Well, wait a minute. What is God holding back in heaven that's more powerful than the Holy Spirit exactly? Besides that, Romans 8.32 says that he who spared not his own son, how shall he not with him give us all things? God is not holding back anything. You know, Charles Finney, who knew, knew a thing or two about revival back in the 1800s, said God is one pent-up revival. God is all, he's pro-revival. You don't have to twist his arm. Oh, please, Lord, just a few crumbs from the master's table from heaven or something like that. I'm not looking for crumbs. I'm in the new covenant. I don't have to eat the crumbs. I get to eat the meal. That's right. And I'm not looking for crumbs of the Holy Spirit either. I don't have to have crumbs of the Holy Spirit. But, but people act as if God has to send something new. Well, what exactly is he going to send? I'll tell you what. You. <laughs> Man keeps praying, I want a move of God. I want a move of God. I want a move of God. Heaven keeps saying, I want a move of man. If man will move, heaven will move with man. If you'll move, God will back you. He will honor the name of Jesus when you use the name of Jesus. Jesus stands behind his name, which is the name above every name, above every principality, above every sickness and disease, above every name that is named. Thank God. You know, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 talk about that. How God's given him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, earth, and under the earth. And everyone misreads that. Not everyone. But most people misread it. They say, yep, that's right. Some sweet day, every knee will bow before Jesus. That isn't what it says. It doesn't say every knee will bow before Jesus. If you read it carefully, it says, at the name of Jesus, every knee 
Heaven, earth, under the earth, they all got to bow. Now, is Jesus going around using his name? Is he up there in heaven saying, in my name, in my name, in my name? No. Who uses the name of Jesus? Believers. You. You use the name of Jesus. You have the right to command things to be done by his authority because he's given you authority on this earth. Boy, I'm glad. Hallelujah. And, so, and, and, and people sometimes, I, I usually start these things off with a teaching that I call, you can do miracles. And that just fries all the religious eggs right there. So no, 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 wait, 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 no, 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 pastor, get, get rid of that guy. You know, only Jesus can do a miracle, and, and I could not heal the broken wing on a fly. Actually, in my younger and foolisher days, I used to be real good at that fake, humble, uh, broken fly speech. Oh, only Jesus. Don't look at me. Only look at Jesus. I can't do anything for you. Only Jesus can do something for you. Well, that sounds really humble, doesn't it? But Colossians 2.18 says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through false humility. There's a false humility that will cheat you. And that is actually false humility. Say, I cannot do anything for you. You know, it's like, you know, now I know it's not the height of cinematography, but the monkeys did this movie, you know, back in the day. And they, they go to this supposed wise man and, and, he, and he ends up saying something like, but why listen to me? For I know nothing. And, and so then, you know, Davy Jones, you know, says, well, if you know nothing, why are we sitting here listening to you? Well, if you have nothing, why is anyone supposed to listen to you? But you know what? Peter and John in Acts 3, they did not see this man who was laid down at the gate beautiful and say, don't look at us, for we have nothing. Only look to Jesus. You know what they said? Look at us! <laughs> that get, get them, get, that'd get them kicked out of a lot of churches. You're not humble enough. What do you mean, look at you? No, no, only Jesus. Don't look at you. And they say, such as I have, give I thee. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You have, no, only God has it. You have nothing. Only God has it. And Peter's bold enough to say, such as I have, I give to you. He had something and he knew it. And we want you to know, folks, that you have something that you can be distributors of too. Because God has made you authorized distributors of the anointing. And that's another one people say, like one of those people that we told you about from our healing class. Now, now that person from healing class didn't know she had the anointing when she started coming to healing class. She said, I was always thought and taught that, that only the five-fold ministry had the anointing. I didn't know I had the anointing. But then she found out otherwise. Because we told her some scriptures that I'm about to tell you. 1 John 2, verse 20, says that you have an anointing from the Holy One. Amen. That's you, the believer. All believers, not just people who preach behind pulpits. If you are a believer, you have the anointing. And that, not, and, and, and that anointing does not flit and flutter and go away if God gets upset with you or something, or if you sin or, or whatever. Because seven verses later, in 1 John 2, 27, it says, the anointing abides in you. Yes. What's abiding in you? That means it stays with you. It doesn't leave you. Amen. You have the anointing, and the anointing stays with you, no matter what. Whether you feel like you're anointed or not, you have the anointing anyway. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1.21 says that he who has anointed us is God. You're anointed. 
You have the anointing because I just gave you scripture to prove it. Now, we do this in our healing class all the time, uh, and we'll do it here. I'm going to count to three, and I would like all of you who are convinced by what the Word says to say, I have the anointing. Are you ready? One, two, three. I have the anointing. Do it again. One, two, three. I have the anointing. Do it again. One, two, three. I have the anointing. Praise God. Imagine what you could do with the anointing. I mean, that's like lay hands on the sick and they get better stuff. Thank God you have the anointing. And you can lay hands on sick people and they'll get well. Because you have the anointing. You don't have to sing. Anointing, fall on me. The un- you, it doesn't need to fall on you. It's in you. What you really should be singing, anointing, flow out of me like rivers of living water. You know, that'd be more biblical. Because you have the anointing. So many people, oh, I want the anointing. I want the anointing. Maybe if I go to the right preacher's meeting, I'll get the anointing. I'll get into special get the anointing line. And then I'll get the, maybe Brother Steve can give me the anointing. Oh, I'll come up here. Oh, Brother Steve, I'll pretend I'm sick so that I can have him lay hands on me and suck the anointing out of me. So I can have the anointing in my ministry. And if I even have a pimple or a hangnail, I'll get in the healing line. Because I want to suck the anointing out of Steve and get that anointing on my ministry. Actually, what that'll do, that'll ruin the anointing, the flow of the anointing in the service. Because if the anointing is there to heal the sick, and you're there to try to get the preacher's anointing, you'll goof things up. Yeah, I've heard people actually advocate that. Oh, if you've got anything wrong, get in that preacher's line. And believe when you get up there that, that the anointing on him will fall on you. Oh, if only. You know, drive-by anointing grabbing. And the preacher doesn't even know you're doing it. You're going to do a drive-by and get his anointing. And there he is. He's served God. He's read the word. He's prayed in the Holy Ghost. And he's been in the ministry 20 years. And you're suddenly just going to get the anointing because you go up there. And, oh, I have a pimple on my back. Would you please lay hands on me? Oh, I'm going to suck that anointing out of the preacher. You don't need to suck the anointing out of the preacher. You have your own anointing. You don't need my anointing. You need your anointing. You're not anointed to do what I'm supposed to do. You're not anointed to do what Rosie's supposed to do. You're not anointed to do what Pastor Brad's supposed to do or Selena's supposed to do. You're anointed to do what you're supposed to do. You have your own anointing. And it's unique to you. There's a plan God has for you that he doesn't have for anybody else. Praise God. And you have the anointing. And that anointing will manifest differently through different people. But nobody goes unanointed in God's kingdom. Even under the old covenant, the anointing was on the workers to do those things for that um, temple that they were doing. You know, when they had the tent there, God lived in a tent. And God, what is his name, Heziel or something? God anointed him. Imagine that, a craftsman, an artisan. God anointed the craftsman to do things. Don't you suppose he could do that for you under the new covenant? Don't you suppose you could flow in the anointing? I've actually made a business of that for the last 35 years. I solve problems no one else can solve. Because they, they, other consultants give up on them or just can't do it. And then I come in and do it because I pray in the Holy Ghost. And I don't know how to do something. God has even have led me to sign contracts saying I do something I didn't know how to do. He said, sign it and I'll tell you how to do it. I'm like, well, shouldn't I really find out how to do it first? And then I'd feel a lot safer that way. He said, sign the contract. All right. 
So I signed the contract, and I'm on my way home, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 boom. Revelation after revelation, suddenly, and by the time I get home, I know how to do it. Now, and that's for every, the anointing's for everybody. Not just for church services. The anointing works in the trades too, folks. The anointing works everywhere. And you should expect, you know, you don't have to compartmentalize your life and have, this is the business portion of my life that's secular. And God really can't move here. I just got to feed my family and grunt and make money and all that. But then I'll go to church and well, there's wonderful anointing with these musicians and we just, woo! And then we'll just enjoy the anointing. Well, you know what? You can enjoy the anointing 24-7. If you allow the Holy Spirit to invade your work. Amen. Thank God you have the anointing. Now, yeah, people say, yes, but Jesus, uh, you know, he, he, he had this thing where he knew everything and you don't know everything. Really? Well, that's interesting. Because do you know that in Luke chapter 2, verse 40, it says... Jesus became strong in spirit. Became strong in spirit. Jesus became strong. Wait a minute. God is infinitely strong in spirit. How can God become strong in spirit? Because according to Philippians 2.7, Jesus emptied himself of all his heavenly privileges and he had to walk the earth as a man. And when he ministered, he ministered as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. He did not minister as God. See, there, now there's hope for you that you could do this. See, if he ministered as God, you're not God. So you can't do it. But because he ministered as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit, he could do it. And you can do it. And say, now me, me do a miracle? Now, shouldn't, wait, wait a minute. Shouldn't we just say, I'll pray and God will do a miracle? No. <laughs> Jesus never sent his disciples out and said, now pray to God for the sick. Right? I mean, can you find anywhere in Scripture where you no, go to the villages and if anyone there is sick, pray that God will do something about it. No. Do you see that anywhere? What did he say? Heal the sick. Right. Wait a minute. Heal. He told them to heal the sick? Well, wait a minute. I thought only Jesus could heal the sick. And he told them to heal the sick? Yes. That implies something. They had delegated authority to heal the sick. And guess what you've got? Delegated authority to heal the sick in his name. Amen. Now let me show you how this works in scripture. Acts 28.8. I, I almost choked on that verse once. When I, because it said that Paul, you know, Publius's dad had dysentery and a bloody flux. And Paul, they're on this island. And Paul, it said he prayed and he went in and healed him. Yes. And I remember saying to the Lord once, oh Lord, you mean he prayed and you healed him. Hard to argue with the word, though. The word does not say that Paul prayed and God healed him. It said Paul prayed and went in and healed him. Yeah. Paul healed the guy. Oh, oh man, that, that, that's not what we were taught. We are taught only Jesus can do it, not us, you know, because we're just unworthy little worms or whatever. But it says Paul healed him. And that got me thinking. I started finding other scriptures that said the same thing. Acts 6, 8 talks about Stephen. Now, I like Stephen because I'm, I'm a Stephen, and I spell my name the same way Stephen did. And, and so it said that Stephen did great wonders and signs among the people. Yes. Yes. I always like Stephen, full of faith and power, did great signs, did wonders and signs among the people. It said Stephen did them. 
It doesn't say God did them. It says, now we know, okay, without God, none of these people could have done anything. We understand that. Without him, we can do nothing. But you're not without him. So you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. So Stephen did wonders and signs. Then you flip Acts 6-8 around and get Acts 8-6. Philip. Philip goes down to Samaria and says, And the multitudes with one accord, they gave heed to the words that Philip spoke, seeing and hearing the miracles that he did. That Philip did. It says Philip did miracles. It doesn't say Philip prayed and God did miracles. Philip did miracles. Say, "Uh uh-oh, so Paul did miracles and Stephen did miracles and Philip did miracles? I mean, this is beginning to sound like we can do miracles. Well, Jesus said in John 4, if that's not enough to convince you, take our Lord's word for it in John 14, 12. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, the works that I, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he shall do also. He didn't say just you would pray and then the Bureau of Answered Prayer in Heaven would determine whether or not your prayer will be answered today and whether the answer will, and they'll roll the little three-sided weird die that says yes and no and wait and, and, and see what comes up. It's not what it says. Amen. Now, thank God that Jesus said you would do the works. You see the difference between saying, well, we're going to ask if God will please do the works and saying, you'll do it. That's why he could say, heal the sick. In other words, you heal the sick. And thank God, any time Jesus ever sent anyone out, he sent them out and he told them to do it in power. In fact, he even told them, don't leave Jerusalem until you're filled with the Holy Ghost and power. You need to have power from on high before you leave Jerusalem. It was that important to be filled with the Holy Spirit. They said, don't even, yeah, I want you to go out, but don't go out yet until you receive the Holy Spirit. Because he knew how important it was, how vital it was for you to receive the Holy Spirit and go out there and minister in the power of God. So that's because no, the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You know, you can have an argument with a Muslim sometime. Well, Jesus is the only way. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. No, he isn't. Yes, he is. Well, Jesus died on a cross. No, he didn't. Quran says he didn't. Bible says he did. Quran says he didn't. Bible says he did. And he rose from the dead, too. No, Quran says he didn't. No, Bible says he did. Quran says he didn't. Bible says he did. And you could do that all. You know, but if all of a sudden they see the healing power of God in manifestation, all of a sudden the Quran goes in the dumpster. And we, we've, got, we've got a friend who's, who he did a meeting in Sweden and Jesus appeared to 12 Muslims in that meeting that night. Goodbye, Korans. That was the end of that. I, I'm like, so I asked him, so what did Jesus say to them when he appeared to them? He said, I am the way, follow me. That was the end of the Korans. Because they said, I want this guy, he's alive. Forget Muhammad, I mean, this guy's right here. I want him. And then, you know, the T.L. Osborne used to go over to Africa and, and he, he challenged them. Said, now, here's a blind guy. Now, anyone want to come up and pray for him in the name of Allah? Come on, some Muslim get up. Want to pray for him in the name of Allah? Go ahead. Have at it. Wouldn't get any takers, of course. But he said, well, I'm going to pray for him in the name of Jesus. Yeah. And he'd command the blind guy to be healed in the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, he'd have a flood of Muslims rushing the altar to get saved. He's like, he's real. We want him. See, you're not going to win people to Christ by arguing with them. 
But if they see the power of God demonstrated, it's not about you being smarter and outfoxing them intellectually. It's about you demonstrating the power of God. That has a way of ending arguments quickly. But you, the person with your name sitting in your seat tonight, you can do miracles through the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus. Thank God. Hallelujah. I don't just see what time it is here because time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm having fun. I mean, it's, this is my favorite thing to talk about, in case you couldn't tell. <laughs> I mean, I'll go anywhere and talk about this because this is, this is, this is kind of what we do. But that same Jesus who healed, he went about healing the sick. That same Jesus wants to heal the sick through you. He wants you to take this to Warrior, Alabama to Birmingham, to Fultondale, everywhere around here. He wants you to take that same power of God, that same anointing that you have, and let it gush out of your belly. Thank God. It's exciting. Oh, I'll tell you, this just, when you get a hold of the fact that you can actually do this, it transforms your life. And, And we've watched God transform other people's lives when the light comes on and they're like... I have delegated authority. I, can, I have the anointing. I can do this. And that, that is the big thing we want to impress on you while we're here, is you can go out and do the works of Jesus. Amen. You don't have to have a healing evangelist show up to see the works of Jesus. Now, we have some kind of unusual things happen sometimes in our meetings that might not happen everywhere. But you know what? You have the same right to lay hands on the sick that I do. Amen. We all have the right Because here's why. Jesus said, go tell everyone the gospel. And he said, there's going to be two classes of people now. Those who believe and those who don't believe. Now, those who believe and are baptized, they will be saved. The ones who don't believe, they'll be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. He didn't say they'd follow the preachers, although that was true too. He said he'd follow the people who believed because of the preachers. In other words, people like you. Someone preached the gospel to you, you believed it, and Jesus said these signs will follow what? Those who believe when the gospel is preached to them. You're one of those who believes, so guess what? These signs shall follow you. You have the right to cast demons out in the name of Jesus. You have the right to speak in other tongues and be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And you have the right to lay hands on the sick and have them recover. And it gets fun. Now, I used to go to a church that didn't really believe that. And I got saved, but they told me this in this denominational church. They said, the Bible is the word of God. It is the final authority in all matters of doctrine and conduct. And then I read Mark 16. <laughs> and, 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 well, they told me that it was all God-breathed, and it was all God. You could, you could take it all to the bank. It's all God. And, I went, oh, and it said, they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I thought, well, why aren't we doing that then? If it says that and the Bible is the final authority in doctrine and conduct, then I ought to be doing that. And the people around me weren't doing it. So I thought, well, we ought to do that. So that there's this gal, and she had a problem where she was flat on her back for three days every month. And so I got some friends together and said, well, you know, we ought to lay hands on her in the name of Jesus. You know, Jesus said they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So we laid hands on her and God completely healed her. 
thought, yes, it works, just like Jesus said it worked. And then someone else had an eye problem, so I laid hands on the gal with the eye problem, and, and people started getting healed. I'm like, whoa, this actually works. Cool. Then it's like, where's the sick people? I want some more sick people to lay hands on. Line them up. Yeah. And then, and then they tried to tell me, well, you've got to be careful now. I'm like, Why? Be careful about what? Like that too many people are going to get healed? <laughs> well, you know, you don't want to get extreme. <sighs> and then, then they gave me an unbelief book. You know that guy who said, help my unbelief? Well, they tried to help my unbelief, but not in the right way. They gave me an unbelief book about people who were not healed. And I'm, and I'm reading through it, and I read through the thing, and it was like a slap of cold water in the face. But then I'm still wondering, but wait a minute, didn't Jesus say that it does work? Yes. And this book says it doesn't work, and Jesus said it does work. Shouldn't I be listening to him right. instead of the book? Right. And, and usually there's one or two Christian bestsellers that come out every year or two, talk about the, you know, the cult of healing and prosperity and all that stuff. And, and we had people up in Maine, when we actually pastored for 16 years in Maine, and they caught, some of them called us a cult and said, that, you know, they're dangerous, stay away from them. They're a cult because they believe in healing and prosperity. <laughs> and I'm like, well, they had a great plan, huh? Go win the world to Jesus while you're broken sick. You know, it's a lot easier when you can afford to get a ticket somewhere and you can eat. I mean, people get so weird with some of the, these traditions of men. And, but, and I understand a lot of them, you know, they, they were taught that in seminary because their seminary professor was once a student at the seminary and his professor told him that God doesn't do all this stuff today and will the circle of ignorance go unbroken? <laughs> but see, you don't get, I don't care who teaches what at a seminary, and I'm not against Bible schools. Rosie went to Bible school, I went to Bible school, your pastors went to Bible school. Nothing wrong with going to Bible school if they're actually teaching the Bible. Now, there's a concept for Bible school. Actually teach the Bible at Bible school. Instead of, you know, having it be Wokeville, USA or something. I tell you, that what they need to do is awake unto righteousness and sin not. That's what the Bible says. That's how they ought to wake up, really. But you can help wake them up. Things are going to change when you go out and you lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. Because you have the anointing and you can do it by his delegated authority. And like Peter, you could say, such as I have, I give you. Now, before I get done with my little segment here, I want to dispel another idea that the devil likes to put in people's heads about ministering to the sick. Well, maybe you could do that if you pray in tongues for an hour, and then you read the word for an hour, and then you just chill in the presence of God, and, and, and go to the, to the outer court, and then to inner court, and then the holy of holies, and get to an exalted spiritual state, and maybe then you'll be in a position to minister healing to somebody. Well, first of all, this whole thing they talk about, the outer court, the inner court, they kind of mess that up anyway. You, you've probably heard this baggage from the 80s where they talk, well, you know, you get into the outer court by thanksgiving and you get into the inner court by praise and then you get into the holy of holies by worship. That didn't work in the Old Testament. You couldn't even get into the holy of holies unless you were the high priest and you, it was your turn. You got one shot during the year to go in there. 
You couldn't do that. That, that doesn't even make sense. And, and they misinterpret, I think it's Psalm 100, where it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. It doesn't say enter into his gates by thanksgiving. It says enter into his gates with thanksgiving. You don't enter the holy of holies, according to Hebrews, by thanksgiving and by praise or even by worship. You enter the holy of holies by the blood of Jesus. That is your instant access to the Holy of Holies, and you don't have to work your way up the ladder and first get into thanksgiving and then work your way up to praise and then work your way up to worship, and then you can work, 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 work your way up to God. You know, I'm so glad I live in the grace zone instead of the work zone. We went through work zones on the way here. Work zones aren't any fun. Work zones are a drag. I don't like work zones. I like grace zones. And you live in the grace zone, so don't make it the work zone. Thank God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. See, you don't have to work up the anointing. See, we just had you all say you have the anointing. So let me ask you something. According to 1 John 2, that says that the anointing of, you know, you, that you have an anointing from the Holy One, and the anointing abides in you. Why do you have to work up the anointing? When it already abides in you, you don't work for it. If you like working for things, invent a time machine and go back to the old covenant, and you'll be really, really happy. And then you can work for things. But see, we live in the grace era where things are all given to you freely by the Lord Jesus Christ, and you get to enjoy them at His expense. You don't have to work your way into God's presence. Jesus worked so that you could always be in his presence. You don't have to work it up. You don't have to work up the anointing. You have the anointing. It abides in you. Thank God. So you don't... See, most of your encounters, when you lay hands on the sick out there, if you have any experience that's like mine, they're going to come to you out of the blue all of a sudden. Suddenly, like the other day, I was at the Food Lion grocery store in Mountain City, where we live in Tennessee. And this lady, and they don't have enough help. Seems like no one's got enough help. Help wanted, help wanted, help wanted, help wanted. And so they don't have enough cashiers, and so their line's wrapping around the whole front of the store, and it's taken a long, long time to get checked out. And I'm standing there with some milk in my hand, and I like fresh milk. I don't like milk, milk to spoil. You can ask Rosie. It takes an act of Congress to delay me when I get that milk in my hand. I want to go home and put it in the fridge right away and have fresh milk. And I'm there in line with my milk, and waiting and waiting and waiting. And this lady behind me is like, oh... I look behind. She says, oh, so I'm like, my arthritis is killing me. Now, okay, she doesn't need a Charles Capps lecture right at that moment, okay? Uh, yes, we know better than to say my arthritis, okay? That's claiming it. It's the devil's arthritis. It's not your arthritis. It not, ought not to be in your body. What belongs to you is healing because Colossians 1.13 says you're brought out of the power of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. Nothing the kingdom of darkness has belongs to you, including arthritis. Everything the kingdom of God's dear son has belongs to you, including healing. So it's never your arthritis. Anyway, it's the devil's arthritis. But she didn't know that, and she didn't need a lecture. And it says, it's killing me. Well, we know it's not good to go around saying something's killing you. Okay, that's not a, exactly a good faith confession. But she doesn't need a faith confession lesson right now. She needs some compassion. 
know, sometimes you just try to yell at people and bark at them. Well, I'm Mr. Faith. Yeah, you shouldn't say that. You know, it's not your earth, right? It doesn't, I mean, and that's all true. But Jesus was moved with compassion. We need to be moved with compassion when we encounter sick people. I had to be moved with enough compassion to do something about it. And then, he, and, so, and then I have MS. And I'm in pain right now. Now, I had a choice. Just like, you know, I had a choice when I came here. Do I, I-65, okay, that's great. You know, do I want to go to Montgomery or Huntsville? Which way? I can't take it both directions. I got a choice. I had a choice to make it that supermarket. Either I take some of my time and have my milk sit out longer, maybe, and, and minister to that woman, or else just say, oh, man, that, that must stink. I'm so glad I'm not you. <laughs> but be warmed and filled. See, I knew I could do something about it because I have delegated authority in the name of Jesus. So anyway, I talked to her some and told her about how Jesus has you know, died so that not only could we be saved from hell, but also healed. And she'd actually heard that before, it turned out. She was in a church, and they actually preached that, but she got burned there, and they kicked her out, and some bad stuff happened. And, and she gave up on church because she got burned in church. And so, I, so I'm not trying to encourage her, well, you know, you need to find a church that's not going to burn you. You know, they're not all going to do that to you. You know, just because there's counterfeit 20s doesn't mean there's no real 20s. Yeah. Just because there's a church that burns people doesn't mean there's not a good church that won't burn you, that actually will love you. Yeah. So we encourage for that. And then, now this is just some wisdom. I took her out to the car so Rosie and I could lay hands on her together because I'm a man and she's a woman. And I just thought that would work better. You know, have me and Rosie together. Otherwise, people could kind of look, you know, Mom City's a small town. You know, people, you know, you know, there's some things I wouldn't necessarily want them thinking. You know, so anyway, she came over and we laid hands on her. The power of God hit her. And, and she said, I feel like there's this power. it's going through my veins. It's going through my veins wow. in the food line parking lot. Well, why not? Yeah. But see, I had to be moved with compassion that I, it mattered to me. I was willing to be inconvenienced so that she could be healed. And my milk is still sitting there. And worse yet, she's got ice cream. And we had a long talk, and we prayed for her for a long time. And she said, I don't care if my ice cream melts. I want to get healed. But see, most of your chances in practice to do the works of Jesus are going to come to you out of the blue. It'll be signed, sealed, delivered. The Holy Spirit set it up. But you won't necessarily know five minutes before it happens. And you're just in the restaurant, and we'll tell you some more stories, you know, about, about Applebee's and Golden Corral and, and other... We actually had a church service at a Golden Corral. We might tell you about that. Like prophesied, lay hands on people, spoke in tongues, with the customers doing the buffet. While they were doing it, they let us in to do that. Now, we, we kind of have a get-away-with-it anointing. Sometimes it was evangelist. You just have a grace on you that you, you get away with all kinds of stuff. And, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> but see, these opportunities are going to come to you out of the blue... And then what are you going to do? And if you know already that you have the anointing, then such as you have, those rivers of living water can gush out of you into them. Maybe you want to come up and share anything? No, I'm not going to carry that. <laughs> Listen, I'm not my husband, okay? Don't expect the same from me as you get from me. <laughs> Just more. Listen, the one thing you're going to have to know in ministering to the sick or, or anybody is realizing you cannot minister out of your five senses and yes. expect the results that you would when you minister out of the anointing. 
I used to tell my class, you have to step over into the spirit realm. If you are going to minister into your five senses, it won't go past what you know here. Yeah. So if you're going to minister to anybody, remember, you, you're not ministering into your five senses. They'll deceive you. Very good. But the Holy Spirit will never deceive you. So you step over into the spirit realm and you begin to minister from the spirit. Amen. And when you begin to minister from the spirit, you'll get the spirit results. Amen. Very good. Okay. Well, I don't want the flesh results. Because I give some of them a good slap. <laughs> to be honest with you, uh-huh. some of them I really would give a good slap and say, hey, wake up. You know? But I step over into the spirit realm and I begin to minister from my spirit. Amen. And that's the way you're going to have to minister. Again, if you minister from your flesh, you will only minister what you know from your five senses. Very good. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You can't minister beyond what you know in the natural if you minister from that realm. That's why it's so important to step over into the spirit realm and begin to see a minister out of your spirit man because now you're connected. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Now you've got a direct connection. Amen. And there's times God will show you things. There's times he won't show you nothing. Sometimes he just tell you to mind your own business and pray. <laughs> I've told yeah. you that. Yeah. And I said... Oh, Lord, aren't you going to show me? He said, no. <laughs> just do it. So that's my model, just do it. Yeah. You know, just, look, just do it. Why do you have to know everything? Yeah. Why? I don't, have, I don't have to know everything to minister from my spirit man. I know the one who knows everything. Yeah, that's right. And so do you. So when you minister from that realm, you minister more perfectly than you ever could in your natural realm. Listen, you know praying in English, uh, most people are done in five minutes because they run out of words. But when you pray from your spirit, man, you can go on for hours. Yeah. I tell people, if you want to be charged up in the Holy Ghost, hook up your booster cables to heaven and pray in tongues. Yeah. Build yourself up. But the thing is, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but most times I have right to minister to somebody who was out of my own hurt. When I needed to be ministered to, and then God would send you to minister to somebody else. I was like, how dare you, God? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. You know? But see, I'm real with God. But a lot of people aren't. People are all fake, humble. I don't like that. I'm just, this is me, God. You know? If you don't like me, you made me. Not my fault. <laughs> Not my fault. <laughs> something or, or they're going to feel like they're lacking something 
because you're not truly ministering to them the way you should from your spirit man. And listen, we all have fallen short. No condemnation. But when you do that and you recognize it, repent, get back, and go right back at it. Because if you don't, it's just like having an accident in the natural. Anybody ever have an accident in here? I have. Anybody else have an accident in here? Yep. Was it fun getting behind the wheel right after? No. Isn't that incredible how that is? You don't, you, that's, see, the longer we go and not do it, fear creeps in. Fear creeps in. And you just, just a thought of it. Just same thing with ministering to healing people, or, or ministering to the sick. And if you mess up, or if they mess up, or whatever, you don't see the results. Sometimes we we stay away from it, so that way we won't be embarrassed, or we won't feel awkward, or, or whatever. But the enemy will come and bring fear, so you don't go back to do this to lay hands on the sick. That's a big mistake. We need to get right back up, yeah. go right back. And, and start laying hands back on the sick. Yeah. It's not about you. Mm -hmm. Oprah got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oprah got it wrong. Yeah. It's not all about you. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, if you like what you've heard tonight, come back tomorrow. Yeah. You'll hear more. We're not going to go. I don't think I'm going to play longer tonight. But come back tomorrow. We'll share more. We'll have more stories and more jokes. Not jokes, but, you know, yeah. good laughter. Mm -hmm. Laughter doing good like a medicine. Yeah. yeah. So I tell people, go to church and take some medicine. Yeah. God, church, you go to. God is happy. I have a happy pappy. I don't know about you, but I have a happy pappy. <laughs> <laughs> right? 